Hey, Moving Forward listeners, I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about my new books. If you've been following the podcast, you'll know that I helped bring my dad's business into the 21st century with Poshmark. I've documented everything we've done so you can start a business right from your closet or expand an existing business with an effective e-commerce solution, even if you don't have a large marketing budget or social media following. The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses is now available in paperback and for Kindle. You can also find the Poshmark Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses with worksheets to help you manage your inventory and negotiate effectively and confidently on the platform. Both titles are available on Amazon, where you can find quick access links at bemovingforward.com or in my link tree, which is in the show notes for today's episode. Start learning and moving forward today. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 386, and this is going to be part two of our recap and review of the writing series, the book writer series, and the writing community series. A lot of different uh, hashtags and categories in which I've spoken with a number of different authors. And I'm going to do today, we're going to cover the authors that I spoke to uh, for episodes 378 through 384. If you want to check out the um, authors from the first half of this series, I highly recommend you check out episode 385. And at the wrap-up, or the total tie-up, or the bow to the whole thing, I'm going to have a uh, mini-series page created on the website where you'll be able to access all of these episodes, including the summary episodes and some additional episodes that, while not officially part of the series, uh, actually fit quite well with the whole idea of uh, listening to authors share some of their best practices and uh, stories with you. All right, so let's continue on. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a recap, uh, just extracting some highlights from each of the conversations with the authors. I'm going to specifically focus on two that I thought were pretty uh, impactful. uh, There are obviously a lot more, and I do encourage you to listen to the full episodes with the the, uh, full conversations to really get the most out of the the time that the authors put in. And everyone was so generous with their time, very candid about their practices and how they were able to, um, you know, either get started or write a book, publish a book, or in many cases, several books. All right, so let's start with uh, Fred Brandon, episode 378. Uh, I've known Fred for a number of years now. He's a great guy. I had him on my podcast uh, before years ago. And he has made a name for himself in many different spheres. Uh, for a long time, he was an expert in Microsoft platforms, still is. But over the last several years, he's uh, developed an expertise and has become a thought leader in the world of uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain. And he's written two books aimed at two very different audiences. So I highly recommend check out episode 378 to learn more about these books. But one of the books that he wrote was a children's book, and that in itself was a very interesting story. It was uh, over a decade-long journey with that particular book. So I highly recommend you check out that uh, story in full in the episode. And the second book, the more recent book, was uh, on uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. Basically, 
for many people, those are buzzwords. And it's hard to get a grasp of exactly what those things are. And what Fred's goal is, is to write a book that would take those technical concepts and make them accessible to uh, to just the average person. And, uh, and Fred has been doing that for all of his career. So the fact that he did that with a book on cryptocurrency and blockchain, I think is, is pretty exciting. But there are two big takeaways that I got out of this conversation. Obviously, there are a lot more, but there are two that I, in particular I want to highlight. Number one, I was interested in how Fred was able to go from writing a children's book to writing a very technical book on a subject like cryptocurrency and blockchain. And Fred talked about something very interesting. He talked about putting yourself in the mind and the eyes of your reader, which I think is something that is not emphasized enough. We hear a lot about writing books and telling a story, but Fred uh, really focuses on putting yourself in the mind of your reader. So that's that's a theme that came up when he talked about both of his books, both the children's book and, and the, the blockchain and crypto book. So I think that was a really impactful point that he made, a very relevant one. So take a listen to Fred explaining what he means by that. You know, just because I read a lot, uh, you know, I'm able to just kind of try to like change my brain a little bit. You know, I have okay, to be yeah. like, I have to kind of morph myself into a kid to, to think how a, a kid would think or what they would want to see or what they would want to, you know, so, you know, going to read things like, you know, Good Night Moon and things of those kind mm-hmm. of things, you just kind of understand, all right, what should I do? What should I go a certain route where it's very descriptive? Uh, where you're seeing, you know, cows and socks and <laughs> bands and all, all these different things that um, that's really descriptive. So they can see, so they can actually see something when they read these words along or their parents are reading it to them. So you want to be able to, depending on, you know, what age group is actually uh, taking this in, they want it, you want to be able to make it so descriptive that you kind of use your mind's eye to, uh, to kind of conceptualize what's being said. So as you can hear from that clip, That's something that Fred, uh, I think that's one of his superpowers is being able to put himself in the mind of his reader, whether it's for the children's book uh, on one end or whether it's for a more technical book. And I think that's one of the reasons why Fred has been so successful. That's why he does what he does. That's why he's done this for many years, taking uh, platforms and complicated concepts and breaking them down and making them accessible to, to everybody. And so uh, those are two, that's really, I think, a key um, superpower that Fred has. The other big point that Fred made, and this really goes to Fred's ability to conceptualize an idea and to actually see it through to completion, which I think is a challenge for a lot of writers uh, or aspirational writers, is many people want to start a book. And they may have an idea, they may have a great idea, but then finishing it, seeing it through to the end, a lot of times people will get lost along the way where they'll they'll lose steam during the journey. So one of the things that Fred talks about is making a book or writing a book a SMART goal. And you may have heard of this acronym before, S-M-A-R-T. Basically, it breaks down to specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and time bound. So um, those factors uh, go into creating a goal and turning it into a smart goal. And uh, if you have those factors defined, 
you're more likely to achieve that goal. Uh, I'm not going to go into the nuts and bolts of the SMART goal. Uh, I've got other episodes of that. In fact, um, Rich Perry, who I talked about uh, last week, he actually uh, discusses SMART goals on another episode that I have of the podcast, so you can check that out. But one of the factors that uh, goes into the SMART goal, we're making writing a book a SMART goal that Fred talks about, is having a deadline, but not only having a deadline, but having accountability to someone. And so uh, one of the things that you'll discover through many of these conversations is that while the author is writing his or her story or uh, sharing their expertise, oftentimes they're working with other people behind the scenes to ensure that the book is not only um, of quality and the information is vetted and all of that stuff, but for accountability. And Fred talks about being beholden or making yourself accountable to someone to get the book done. So uh, take a listen to this clip and uh, Fred will explain exactly what he means by that. Sometimes you just need a a, uh, a partner to be able to hold you to it. They got to hold your feet to the fire a little bit. And when you have that, when you have that person or people that's going to be like, look, um, yeah, is it done yet? Is it, you know, is, you know, I have editors, I have everything like, okay, I, I want this to be right. Does it, you know, does it sound right? Is it, you know, does it has a, have a nice flow to it? You know, all those type of things. So it's, you know, it's all about accountability. And sometimes you need that, you know, those, uh, those people around you that's going to hold your you know, feet to the fire a little bit um, to make sure that you're, you know, you're getting what it needs to be done. Because otherwise you can easily get off track or you can just start doing something else or something yeah. like that and you can push it back. So you wanted to make, if you want to make sure you have, you know, those smart goals um, that you actually have uh, some type of time attached to it where, you know, you want to be finished with it, you know, by a particular date. So as you can hear from Fred's uh, explanation, by tapping into his network, and Fred is really great about leveraging the relationships that he has uh, invested time into, he was able to make his book, in particular the second book, something that uh, was uh, on a deadline and uh, deliverable by a certain date. And as I mentioned last week, it's one of the trappings of self-publishing. And Fred went with the self-publishing route because it really actually fit in with the theme of his book on cryptocurrency and blockchain, this whole idea of decentralization. But one of the 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 upsides of self-publishing is that you have a lot of freedom of flex and flexibility. One of the downsides can be that you you're, you don't have a specific deadline unless you impose one on yourself. So that's where a lot of uh, aspirational authors can get lost is that they'll start writing a book, but they won't set themselves up with a deadline. They won't keep themselves accountable either to themselves or someone else. And the drafting process can just go on forever and eventually the book may fade out. So Fred talks about making your book a smart goal. So lots of great um, gems and tips that Fred shares. So I encourage you to check out episode 378. All right, moving on to episode 379. I got a chance to speak with Dr. Deborah Gilboa, uh, affectionately known as Dr. G in most circles. Uh, she's a great guest. I've had her on the podcast uh, before as well. And we talked about... Uh, she's written several books, and one of the things that I loved about this conversation is that unlike 
most of the authors that I've spoken to, Dr. G does not enjoy writing. She, in fact, she goes as far as to say she hates writing. It's not her passion. Writing books was never her her big bucket list goal. But because of her expertise and because of what she does, uh, and part of her practice um, as a physician involves basically helping others manage stress and building resiliency. And in fact, that's her, her most recent book is all about developing those resiliency muscles. Writing books has been an important part of that mission. So this was a great episode for those of you who feel like you need to write a book or you feel like a book will be a great asset or something that can very much help your business or in the case of uh, if you're a physician or a specialist, it can help your practice, it can help your patients. Uh, I, I, we focused on how do you get a book done. And so this was also interesting because Dr. G's most recent book uh, is is all about um, building resiliency. So it's an interactive book as well. So the first thing that she talks about is if you don't enjoy writing and yet at the same time you're trying to build up a skill in your readers such as resiliency, you're trying to help them develop uh, along the way, one of the things that you can do is let them write most of the book. So I'm going to let Dr. G explain exactly what she means by that. And this book... I'm going to be really clear with you right now, John. If you were to get my book, you would see you write more of it than I do. Oh, that's great. Right? You are filling in and asking yourself tough questions and writing more of this book than I did because you're an expert in you. I'm not. Right. You're an expert in the change that you're facing. You're an expert in what works well for you, what you've tried before and what hasn't worked for you. I can't tell you those things, but I can. And this is what I do as a family doctor. I can ask the right questions and ask you more follow up questions so that you can find what will help you in your current situation to make navigating change easier. The definition of resilience is the ability to navigate change and come through it the kind of person you want to be. So as you can hear from that clip, this is a very different approach to writing a book, and it's mostly going to be in the nonfiction realm, although we do talk about how this is similar to a choose-your-own-adventure book. If you remember those, uh, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, those were uh, big at one point in which you would read a book, and if you wanted to take path A, you would turn to this page. If you wanted to take path B, you would turn to that page. And that's a, a very simplified way of how Dr. G's book works is that it's not necessarily you're going to read from page one to page end because everyone is uh, in a different place when it comes to their resiliency and their ability to manage stress. So there's a lot of picking and choosing. And so making an interactive book for Dr. G meant letting her audience write a lot of it. So that's why a lot of it is very interactive. Now, how do you write a book like that? That was, I really wanted to get to the nuts and bolts of that. Really just, how do you start writing an interactive book? Because when you think about it, it's a lot of different pieces. And engaging with your audience and your readers doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be carrying them through the story. In many ways, your reader is uh, is providing the story. They're following the, a path and using the book as a tool to help them develop a skill. So 
here, Dr. G actually shares a really great tool. And this is, this is, I think, a really interesting way to start a book. Instead of using a document or a piece of paper or even a whiteboard, she starts with an Excel spreadsheet. So I'll let her explain why. With an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Uh, can you can you expand so on that? So first of all, I put everything on Google Drive because I'm always afraid my computer's going to crash. So I get a Google Drive and I call it a uh, new book. Okay. I don't know what it's called yet, right? Although I am a, usually a person who thinks about titles and that drives because I feel like a title is a promise. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure I know what I'm promising before I get too deep, whether that's a, whether that's, you know, an online post or a video I'm creating or a presentation I'm doing or a book I'm writing, I have to know what I'm promising before I can keep the promise. So I did think a lot about this title and workshopped it with a lot of people and asked a lot of questions. And then I started creating the spreadsheet. I said, okay, I know I have 10 sections, intro, conclusion, and eight skills, wrote them down. Okay, so what are the things I wanna teach? What are the things I want people to be able to do at the end of it? Like what's, start at the end. What do I want people to feel more comfortable and more competent doing? Okay, now how can I make it fun? Because if it isn't fun, would you do it? Right, right. And only if it was homework for a class you really needed. So there are many different ways you can get started. And last week, if you listened to last week's episode, you heard Suzanne Brown talk about using a mind map. Similarly, you can use a tool like Excel to organize your thoughts, your main points, and how you want to develop a book. And in fact, a tool like that may be more useful than starting with a blank page or a Word document uh, because a book like that is going to be interactive. It's not going to be a straight A to Z path. So having an Excel spreadsheet may be a much better visual tool and an organizational tool for developing a book like that. Okay, episode 380 with Helen Aitchison, and she is a novelist, getting back to writing novels, and it's a great contrast because on the one hand, we had Dr. G, who hates writing. Helen, on the other hand, loves writing, and uh, in fact, she tells a great story. I encourage you to listen to the whole episode and why she felt the desire to write a novel and and the the fuel from having an inspiration having an idea and it's not simply that she wanted to write a book it's not simply that she had a great idea she had an idea that wouldn't leave her alone it was it was to the point where it was repetitive it just was stuck in her head and that was the signal for her that this is something that she should invest the time in so i'll let helen explain that story so i guess it you know, it was kind of niggling away at us, John, and the, you know, the characters were there and they were ready. And I was, I'm going to have to do something with this because they kind of wouldn't leave us alone, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, you know, it kept playing on my mind. And once I started, I just couldn't stop. So I would literally, I, I'm really lucky in the fact that I don't get right as block. It's, it's more about time. It's more about okay. getting time to get yeah. my ideas out. So, you know, you're right. It, it is really difficult. And I know everyone's got super commitments and I was working full time and, um, Luckily, it was just before COVID okay. um, started, which absorbed more of my time um, being a key worker. But I kind of started, John, and I just couldn't stop. So it, it just flowed. You know, it came out and it just, it kind of, it was all in my mind and it just, it just flowed out under the laptop. And I had a few sleepless nights, don't get us okay. wrong. You know, there was <laughs> nights when I was tight until 3 a.m. Um, 
but I just used any spare time I had. So as you can hear from that clip, it really was this strong desire to tell the story. She had this, this spark, this idea, this framework for a novel, this story, and that blossomed into something persistent, something that just continued to grow, and she had to get that down on paper. The other side of this, in terms of developing her skills as a writer, and Helen shares that tapping into different communities was a big help for her. She is very much about uh, developing relationships. She She's had friends who've written books. In fact, she talks about one friend in particular who wrote a book, and that was part of the inspiration for her to explore writing. But Helen also uh, put herself out there. She started with um, different uh, writing pieces for her from her work and uh, submitted them to competitions. And one of those competitions uh, led her to winning a spot in a playwriting uh, workshop, which she didn't know at the time was filled with professional playwrights. So I think you're going to find this part of the story really interesting. And then I entered a competition um, with a local theatre in Newcastle called Live Theatre. And it was a playwriting course. So I entered a, a small piece, a short piece, and I got on this course. So I went along and there was only about 20 of us. And I was the least experienced there. You know, there was, there was people who were, um, had wrote plays for radio, people who had had um, short stories published, people who um, had, you know, a lot of experience had done English language and literature as their degrees. And I was like, well, I wrote a blog and that was that was about as much as I'd done. Um, but I really enjoyed it and I really learned kind of from doing that course and that, you know, I connected with people that I'm still in touch with, which was brilliant. And it planted the seed, John, and I just thought, actually, I'm going to do something with this. You know, why not? So a couple things. Helen sought the advice of other writers. She put herself out there. And she didn't let herself get intimidated by the fact that she was, she was surrounded by writers who were more experienced than she was, were farther along. But she was able to develop great relationships, which aided her in her journey. So she talks a lot about this competitions, workshops, communities. You can find these online. You can find these in person. And that's one of the ways that Helen was able to build up her repertoire and her skills as she was creating more content and and writing more pieces. I encourage you, take a listen to episode 380. It's a really inspirational story of how she got started and was able to, to get her book out there. All right, shifting to episode 381. Uh, I had a great conversation with my friend Megan Prioko, and we've known each other since business school. And uh, she uh, talked about her collection of poetry uh, called Leap, she has a collection of poems, and it was great to talk to her because it's a different type of book than uh, a lot of the books that uh, that you'll typically hear about on a series like this. So two things that uh, really resonated with me about this conversation. Number one, when you're putting together a collection, especially of work that uh, spans a long period of time in your life, and for, for Megan— she, her collection has poetry that she started at a young age all the way up through the week leading up to publication. So it's a long span of time. In addition, she had some poems which she had started at one age 
went back to and finished for purposes of this publication. So there are some pieces that actually represent two different periods, started by one uh, age of Megan or one version of Megan and finished by another. So it's really an incredible story. But one of the things that Megan talks about is organizing your legacy work, uh, organizing all of your written work. And and I'll let her explain exactly what she means by that. So I, I think I wrote a blog a long time ago about how to like Marie Kondo your poetry collection into a mm-hmm. book. And, you know, that's a, that's really essentially what I did. I'm an operations person. I'm very organized, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, maybe because it was never my primary focus, I was not organized about keeping up with where my phones were or, you know, keeping track of them. And so it really was one of those times where you just pull everything out. Pulled, I pulled out every notebook I could find pulled out every file I could find and going through each page one by one and marking anything that had any resemblance of a poem and then, you know, going online and then starting to like match up the different versions and um, editing them. So start early. And if you have old writing, find some way to organize them, digitize them, what have you, put them on, on a file or a thumb drive or a cloud drive. And uh, the sooner you start doing that, especially if you're starting uh, now and, and maybe revisiting some of those old works, uh, the the better off you'll be. If your if your goal is to put it together a collection like this, because uh, organization is going to be key if you're going to take work that you've you've written before. You may have to update it. You may have to finish it. In in the case of some of the poems that Megan talks about, and uh, having a uh, the more, or, you know, having a central hub, what I like to call the trunk uh, of of uh, your work, can be very beneficial if you're putting together a collection like that. The other uh, tip, and Megan shares a lot of great ones when it comes to writing poetry and putting together a collection like this. But one that I want to highlight is that Megan self-published her book, but also managed to get it into some physical stores. One of the things that you may find if you decide to self-publish a book, especially if you're using a uh, online publication hub like KDP on Amazon, oftentimes getting your book into physical stores can be a bit of a challenge. If you go with a traditional publisher, that's part of the uh, part of what you get with that service. So if you're able to traditionally publish your book, typically they will work uh, with the bookstores. They usually have those relationships to get your books in the physical locations in addition to online. But what Megan did was she talks about here how she was able to get her book uh, into a particular specialty store that wasn't even a a bookstore. So I'm gonna let her uh, share that story. So there are multiple stores here, like boutique type stores that have opened that really like to represent local artists or local makers. And so uh, I did have my book in my big finds for a while, um, but they recently had to move and relocate. And then I heard about Locally Crafted, um, which is a store in Rio that was going to be open and they had a call for makers. Anyone local to the area who made their own goods could participate and, and could submit a form to apply. And so I applied thinking, you know, they're probably not they're going to discount a poet because I'm not, you know, I'm not making earrings or knitting or, you know, any of the traditional things that they thought of. But 
the two owners who run it, Stacy and Heather, just blew me away with how welcoming they were. And they just said, no, you know, you're right. We didn't think of poetry as being what we were looking for, but you are a maker, you're a creative person and, and you've made something. Absolutely, we want your book in our store. So they have been so supportive, so supportive of the community of makers in this area. So some great tips that Megan shared about scouring your neighborhood, take a look at what's around, visit some shops, reach out to them. You never know what a specialty store may be looking for. In addition, obviously, bookstores are also a great place to to pitch your book as well. But put yourself out there and don't be shy about uh, visiting some of those stores, getting to know the owners. You never know what may come of it. And the other uh, uh, aspect to this is that that may lead the way towards other uh, ideas and spinoffs from your book. So Megan actually talks about that, how that led to developing a, uh, a bookmark. So I encourage you to listen to episode 381 if you want to hear more about that story. All right, the next episode, episode 382, Clev Mesidor, uh, another guest that I've had on the podcast before. She's had a very prolific career um, working in politics and uh, Washington, D.C., and over the last couple of years, like much like Fred, she has become a thought leader uh, in the world of cryptocurrency and, and blockchain. So uh, Clev also recently, in the last uh, year or two, uh, published her first book. And uh, so we had a great conversation about that. And two aspects of this conversation really stuck out with me. Number one, that Clev has always wanted to write a book. It's been one of her life goals, but her career and her life has been so busy that it, it, it didn't manifest itself until more recently. However, as Clev explains on this episode, she's been writing her entire life and she has a mindset shift, which I think may be very beneficial. She treated every piece of writing even if it was a draft of an email, as if she were writing a book or part of a book. So I'll let her explain that. And, and I will say I'm, I'm analytical by nature and communications is my sweet spot. I love to read and I used to write poetry. So what I found okay. over the years is I would write thoughts on paper, right? Or I'd have drafts in my email that are just things that, you know, really, really, you know, struck me, really, you know, made me think or really had an impact on me emotionally. And over the years, I'll pull them out and I'll see a theme, right? I'll see mm -hmm. the consistency. So that actually was the first indication that I wanted to find a way to pull these thoughts together, that they were actually trying to come out, right? They were actually trying to be birthed. So just that mindset shift, that anytime you compose anything having to do with text, whether you're writing uh, an email, uh, a memo, jotting a thought down, composing a social media post even, or a text message, if you start thinking about all of that activity as contributing to your writing, to your writer's journey, that can be very beneficial to you later on. And in the case of Clev, it was both uh, in terms of building up that repertoire, but also having material that she could go back to and incorporate into the book when it came time to write the book. The second aspect that Clev shares on this uh, episode, which I thought was really interesting, is that 
she wrote a technical book and on a very technical subject. However, she integrates a lot of her own personal story into it. She goes into uh, parts of her personal life that you wouldn't expect to find in a book about cryptocurrency and blockchain. And I'll let Clev explain why she did that. As I wrote the story about my revolution and evolution, I, I realized that I had to get personal. One of the things I'm always asked about is, why are you single? Why, why aren't you married? And I always appear to be such a workaholic to people, and I am. So I felt I needed to devote a few chapters to, to, to sharing that personal and very vulnerable part of me. So one of the things that really struck me about our conversation is is the reason why Clev decided to go into her own story and to share some uh, some aspects which are very personal. And it really has to do with allowing your reader to connect. And that's one of the ways that you can do so, facilitate that, is by sharing your story, by having a reader understand your own journey, what resonated with you, how did you learn the subject, it makes it that much more accessible for the reader to understand and also get invested in. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, point that Clev made. And in fact, it also goes to why she decided to self-publish because that's one of the questions I had for her was with Clev's credentials, with her background, she could have easily pitched this to a traditional publisher. Uh, why did she decide to self-publish? And she goes into that a lot more with having the freedom and the flexibility to incorporate her personal story. So I encourage you to listen to episode 382 to learn more about that. All right, episode 383, I got to speak with and catch up actually with a with a, a friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in over a decade, Irene Wen. And uh, I met her in, in my past life when I was working out in, in California and uh, in my prior career, through my prior career, and back when Irene was in law school. And I've always known Irene as a... Uh, uh, as a law student and then later as an attorney, what I didn't know until more recently was that Irene's true passion and aspiration is to become a writer. And in fact, she left the legal profession. We talk about that on the episode. So I encourage you to listen to episode 383. But two things that uh, she uh, brought up that really resonated with me in this conversation that may resonate with you. Number one, that Irene's love of writing started with her love of reading. And I think this is critically important. I think this is something that uh, I've heard other writers, such as Stephen King, talk about this, that if you want to be a writer, if you want to write, whether it's short form, books, what have you, if you want to make writing more a part of your life, be a reader. Fall in love with reading books. And one of the reasons why every week on the write-up, I share uh, a book that I'm reading where I've recently finished is because... That's one of the, the ways that I can uh, connect with you is to share exactly what I have reading uh, uh, on my plate or what I'm reading or what I'm in, uh, enjoying or learning from. And in fact, uh, I also have a link to my Goodreads uh, account if you want to connect there. But um, I think that's really important. And I try to read a full spectrum of different types of books. And so Irene talks about that. So I'm going to let her explain how that really fostered her love of writing. I, I think I I have wanted to be a writer for almost as long as I have loved reading. Okay. And yeah. So I actually taught myself to read before I started school. Oh, wow. um, you know, you know those um, 
I don't know if everyone has these. It, it was like these old Disney books and they came with a little audio record and you could put that in and the little audio would read the story to you while you read along with these little baby books. And so when my parents didn't have time to read me stories, I would just follow along and, and match the words to the audio. And Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and soon books kind of replaced toys for me at, at a very early age. Like they were just the best things ever. And it was probably around the same time where I decided I wanted to be a writer. And So if you want to be a writer, be a reader. I think it is as clear cut as that. The second aspect that Irene talks about that, uh, that I thought was really interesting and really important is to treat your writing as a business. And last week, uh, Suzanne Brown talked about this. Uh, her writing is an extension of her business and all of her business activities. For Irene, her aspiration is just to be a full-time writer. So it's a little bit of a, a, a distinction because Suzanne wrote her books as an extension of her business. Irene wants to be a full-time writer, and yet at the same time, they both have the same mindset of treating your writing and your books as part of a business. And so I love this. I think this is a great way to approach it. I'm going to let Irene explain exactly what she means by that. See your writing career as your own small business. Okay. Yeah. And to start out with, with treating yourself how you would a really valued employee. You're the employer and the employee in the small business. You are investing in your talents and your skills and your time and you, you respect your work, you respect your physical and emotional needs, and you respect yourself and you cheer yourself on. Like all the things that you want in a wonderful boss, give that to yourself and keep that going for as long as you can because that will keep you joyful as you write. That will make you love where you're at. And I think that's what writing's all about. So as you can uh, hear from Irene, that's a key component to, to being a writer is to take it seriously, to um, treat yourself as your best employee, and, and also because you're your own boss if you're writing books, uh, for the most part, to treat yourself as the boss that you would want to work for. I thought that was very profound. I thought that was a very good point that she made. And this is, I think, how Irene is able to stay accountable uh, she, she's one of the authors who actually does not use deadlines, but yet is able to stay on task because she treats her books and her writing very seriously. In fact, we have a whole conversation early on in the episode where she talks about leaving the legal profession to pursue writing full time. So obviously she takes this very seriously and that's one of the reasons why she's able to get her work done. So I encourage you check out episode 383. All right, I ended the writing mini-series with a great conversation with Dr. Lori Shemek. This is episode 384, and uh, much like Dr. G, I thought it was really interesting that uh, Dr. Lori doesn't enjoy writing. I think she enjoys it a little bit more than Dr. G does. Dr. G really does not enjoy writing. Dr. Lori, though, similarly said that writing books was never really one of her goals, especially growing up. She She just never pictured it, but... Uh, I thought it was interesting because she also shares how books have been a very important component of her work and her work in encouraging healthy habits. 
And uh, this ties into her early career. We talk a lot about that on the episode, so I'm going to encourage you to listen to episode 384. But two um, tips that I think Lori, Dr. Lori shares, which I think are extremely helpful. Now, authors will vary on this. Some authors, uh, and including ones I spoke to on this series, come up with the title first. Others don't come up with the title until later. There's no right or wrong with that. But for Dr. Lori, she has a uh, a process that actually helps her stay accountable to her, to finishing a book. Because like uh, Irene, Dr. Lori doesn't use hard deadlines. However, she is... And, Dr. Lori is one of the busiest people I, I know. In fact, it, it took us over a month or two to schedule the interview because of her schedule. So uh, I was curious as to how Dr. Lori is able to actually write books. She's written several, actually, uh, both uh, traditionally published and self-published. So Dr. Lori talks about starting with a title first, and uh, I'm going to let her explain exactly why it is that she does that. It's um, an it's an outline of sorts, Okay. <laughs> kind of a messy one. Um, and then from there, I create a table of contents. Oh, okay. So you start with the table of contents. Yeah, because I think if I have a clear, and also a title too. Okay. So does the title have to come first? I know it's different with different yeah. authors. So I would love to know for you yeah. specifically. So you the title okay. has to be first. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know what it is about my brain, but if I have a title for an article or anything, I'm, I'm more focused on what okay. I need. So the title, the outline, and then the table of contents. You can hear that process. Title, from there she develops an outline, and from there a table of contents. I thought that was really interesting, having your table of contents. A lot of times writers don't think about a table of contents until they're finished with a book. It's an afterthought, a garnish, if you will, because you've written the content and then the table of contents is pretty much just a high level summary of that. But I like that Dr. Lori starts with the title and outline and develops a table of contents because that provides the framework for the book. And uh, as we talk about it, it's also setting up a promise to herself that she's going to finish the book. So when she starts something, she finishes it, she sees it through to the end, and that's one of the ways that she's able to stay accountable. Staying on that track, uh, the second point that she brought up, which I thought was really, really interesting, and also it's one that uh, Rich Perry, who uh, I talked about last week, uh, mentions this as well, is start with short form. If you want to write a book, but you haven't written a book before, you don't have to start by trying to write a book. You can start by writing an article or a short form piece, 500 words, 250 words, what have you. Start with short form pieces, and that's a great way to get your ideas out, to experiment, to see if you enjoy writing, first of all, and second of all, to have something that is very attainable, something that's achievable. This goes back also to having a SMART goal if you want to accomplish something. Obviously, an article, you'll be able to finish quicker than you will a full book. Once you've written a couple of short-form pieces, I love this, and Dr. Laurie will explain this, you can see... Writing a book is simply an extension of that. So I'll let her explain. One thing that really motivated me to write my books initially, especially, is somebody told me that if it's if you just get started, like you're writing an article. And so before I wrote my book, I wrote lots of articles, okay. right? And so if you just write 
say a 500 word article a day or every couple of days, right. then it gets done, right? And then you go and you're moving forward before you know it. So as you can hear from uh, Dr. Lori's uh, breakdown, it's basically writing a book, you can see it as a long article or as a series of articles. And that's one of the ways that you can really keep yourself on track. It also fits with her first tip about developing the title, outline, and table of contents. And then if you break down each chapter into an article, uh, it, it can keep you that much more on track with your goal. It also breaks it down nicely because instead of seeing it as I've got to write this huge book, I'm seeing it as a series of smaller pieces. So I really like that. I like that. And again, Rich Perry also talked about this. He talked about it with the joint venture, but he also uh, talks about uh, writing short form pieces. So uh, start with a title. Maybe that will help you develop your ideas. Maybe develop that table of contents from an outline so you have a structure and then see your book as a series of short form pieces that are that are uh, collated together. So I love these tips and all of these authors shared some great um, uh, writing tips uh, and I encourage you, listen to all of these episodes, both from this week and last week. I'll have them linked in, in the right. I'm also going to have a overall writing series, uh, uh, mini series page with all of the episodes, as well as some additional ones that you may find helpful linked in that uh, collection as well. I was going to share some uh, writing tips of my own. Uh, but I, I'm running a little bit short on time. I want to keep, and I want to keep the focus on the uh, the guests who have contributed so much. So I may save that for a future episode. Uh, but I encourage you check out the episodes again uh, from episode 372 through 384. Just some great authors sharing so many wonderful tips. And again, the purpose of this is for you to get a wide range of experiences. Some of the tips that may resonate with you more than others, pick and choose what works well for you. Experiment. Try different ways of writing a book. All right. The write-up for this episode is at bemovingforward.com. Next week, uh, I'm going to go back to uh, a different topic, and I've got a great guest, so you're not going to want to miss that episode, but you can find uh, this week's episode 386 and 385 on the website, as well as all major podcast channels. Have a great week, and I'll be back next week. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.